Sugar Craig, it is such a joy to worship with you guys uh, today. I want to welcome you to this service one more time. If you're tuning in online or if you are at our Richmond, Rosenberg, Missouri City, or here at our Sugarland campus, I'm so glad that you decided to worship with us uh, today. I, I want to tell you this because I didn't have a, a chance to tell you last week, but Happy New Year. I pray that God is able to do incredible things in your life and through your life in 2023. Man, I hope that at the end of the year, you're able to look back and see that God used you in a mighty way and that God did incredible things through you. Because it is a great feeling when you're living in a way that you know you're doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing and that you are doing it well. It's just a good feeling. I remember when I got my first job here in the United States, I was so excited to get the job. I desperately needed that job uh, just to pay for bills and help my family back home. So I was grateful to have it and I was ready to do my best. I, I wanted to do what was expected of me and even more than that. There was only one tiny little problem, what limitation that I have, and it's that I didn't speak English very well. I didn't understand English uh, very well. And so I was terrified that I was gonna fail. But by God's grace, people were kind and they were gracious and they explained to me why my job was very slowly so I was able to pick it up. And again, by God's grace, I was able to do well. My first few weeks I did uh, incredibly well. Everything was pretty smooth. And I actually learned that during the breaks and when people made conversation, if they came to you smiling and talking, you could get by by simply nodding and smiling. Even if I didn't fully understand what they were saying, I would nod and smile, and they would walk away happy from their conversation. So again, it was pretty, pretty smooth. One day, I was having a conversation with my supervisor, or at least trying to have a conversation during a break. We're having a snack and talking about life, and towards the end of the break, he said something to me, he smiled, and he walked away. And this was usually a sign that the break was over, so I finished my snack and I went right back to what I was doing before the break and working really hard. About two hours later, he came back to my workstation. He was looking for something. You could tell he was in a hurry, but I didn't pay much attention to him until he asked me, hey, where is it? I said, where's what? He said, where's the product that I asked you to assemble? I said, you asked me to assemble? He said, yeah, during the break, I told you the customer was coming to ours, they're here to pick it up. And, and, and I knew it would take that much time to build it, so where is it? I said, I'm so sorry, but I, I don't think you told me that. And he said, yes, I did, and you said that you were going to do it. I said, I said I was gonna do it? And he said, yeah, when I told you that, you looked at me, you nodded, and you smiled. So I assumed that that meant that you were going to do it. 
And in that moment, I realized that if I wanted to do a good job, and if I wanted to do what was expected of me, uh, nodding and smiling was not going to be enough. I, I needed to ask for clarity when I didn't understand something. I needed to make sure that I knew what was expected of me. And I say that because I believe there are many, many Christians who know that their job and their calling is to share the love of Jesus with people around them. And they want to live for that purpose and they want to do what God has called them to do. But I'm afraid that they have heard that so many times that they think that they're afraid to ask the question, how do I even do that? They don't know how to do it. And so I'm afraid that many people hear that and they do what I did in that job. They nod and they smile and they walk away and they continue to live life as usual because they simply don't know how to do it. But here's the deal, here at Sugar Creek, we take that mission very seriously. That's why at the end of every service, we tell you guys and, and we ask you to tell us that our purpose is to love and lead all people to life change in Jesus Christ. And because we want you to live for your true purpose, because we want you to be who God created you to be. So we want to equip you to live for that purpose. We want to equip you and mobilize you so that you can love and lead all people to life change in Jesus Christ. So this year, we're gonna provide different opportunities for you to be trained and to be equipped on how to share your faith with other people. And we're actually gonna start today by looking at a story that we find in the New Testament. And it's a story of a man who truly lived for this purpose, who, who lived to share his faith with other people around him. And he did that extremely well. We find the story in the book of Acts in chapter eight. And uh, before I read the story, let me just give you a little bit of context to it so that we can all understand it better. The book of Acts be begins with Jesus having a last conversation in person with his disciples. After he died and resurrected from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, he told the disciples, listen, this is your purpose. This is your mission. You are to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth to be a witness of who I am and what I was able to do. And so with that purpose, the disciples go back and they begin to pray. And in chapter two, they receive the Holy Spirit of God and they receive the power of God in them and they begin to live for that purpose. They go out to the city, to Jerusalem and tell other people that they can about Jesus Christ. And many, many people believed in Jesus and the church began to grow to the point that in Acts chapter six, we see that uh, the, the disciples, the apostles needed to commission six men to, to help with uh, waiting tables and serving those in need so that they could focus on praying and teaching the word of God. And two of these men was, were a man named Stephen and a man named Philip. Now Stephen, we see in chapter seven that he was passionate and he loved Jesus in an incredible way, so much that he was willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the very religious group that, that killed Jesus and because of that, he was also killed. He was stoned to death. And you would think that that would have scared his friend Philip and Philip would stop sharing the gospel, but actually the opposite of that is true. Philip went to other cities and wherever he went, he lived for his true purpose. He lived for what God created him to live for, and that is to tell others about Jesus. And in verses 26 through 40, in chapter eight of the book of Acts, 
we find four things that Philip did continuously that helped him live for that purpose. And I want to walk you through those four things because I believe that if we imitate those four things, we can also see God do incredible things in our lives and through our lives and found that purpose that we were created to live for. The first thing that Philip did it was that he was somebody who was able to discern the voice of God and obey when God prompted him to do something. And that's the first thing that we need to do. We need to discern and obey the promptings of the Spirit. Look at what it says in verses 26 through 40. It says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So we see that, that Philip hears the voice of God and the command of God to uh, go to this particular road that connected Jerusalem and Gaza. And, and now, uh, before I continue talking about Philip, I wanna make sure that we understand something. Uh, Philip was a regular, ordinary human being like you and I. Uh, sometimes we read about the characters in scriptures and the people that we find in the Bible and we feel like we can't connect with them or relate to them because we think that they may, they may be supernatural or have some sort of supernatural power and, and, and we can't uh, relate to them. I want you to know that the only supernatural power that Philip had was the only supernatural power that he needed, the spirit of God in him. And if you have believed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Bible teaches that you also have that supernatural power, you also have the power of God in you. So he wasn't somebody super extraordinary. He was an ordinary man like you and I who trusted in the spirit of God. And the reason God was able to use Philip the way he used him is because he was somebody who was willing to listen to the voice of God and to obey when God spoke to him. He discerned and obeyed the voice of God, the promptings of the Spirit in his life. We see that uh, the Spirit of God told him to stop what he was doing and go to this road in the middle of nowhere, in a desert is what he says, because God was working in the life of a man in that particular road. And we see that Philip got up and he went. Even if it didn't make much sense to go to that road in the middle of nowhere, he went where God told him to go. Not only that, but later you see that the Spirit prompted Philip to join this man in this chariot because God was working in him. And you'll see later that Philip obeyed the prompting of the Spirit. See, Philip was used by God in a mighty way because he discerned when God was speaking to him and he obeyed those promptings. And for us to live for our true purpose, for us to do what God has called us to do and make a difference in our community, in our neighborhood, in our workplaces, in our school, in our teams, with our families, just like God wants us to, that is the first thing that we have to do. We have to position ourselves in a way that we can listen the voice of God. We can hear the promptings of the Spirit. We can discern them and then we can obey them. I'm afraid that one of the reasons why we don't feel like we're living for our true purpose, we don't feel like we are doing what God has called us to do and we're always missing something is because 
We have so much going on that we hardly have any time to listen to the voice of God. Between work and emails and text messages and social media and friends and conversations and Netflix and movies and shows and sports and everything else that we have going on in our heads and in our lives, we barely have time to listen to the voice of God. And I want you to know that God, in his grace, revealed himself to us in this incredible book, this amazing book called the Bible. Here's his revelation of who he is, what he is about, why he called you, and the purpose that he has for your life. And the only way that we're going to be able to understand and live for our purpose is if we spend time with him. If we want to live for our mission, then we must make it a point to listen to the one that gave us purpose. We must make it a point to spend time with God. You know, uh, I, I, sometimes my wife and I, we go to a social gathering, and it could be in a house or it could be outdoors, and there could be several adults having a conversation, and we can be engaged in the conversation, and because we have little kids, there could be a ton of little kids running around and being loud and having fun and playing and screaming, and, and in the middle of that, if one of our children cries, both my wife and I were able to pick up that sound. We're able to understand one of our children is crying in the middle of all the voices. Why? Because we know them, because we know their voices, because we spend time with them, because we've heard that cry many times. Uh, we're familiar with it, right? In the same way, the more we spend time with God, the more we hear his voice, the more we spend time in his word, the more we're gonna be able to discern when he's speaking to us and when he's prompting us to do something. And I, last year, Pastor Mark gave us an incredible challenge. Towards the end of the year, he challenged us to uh, read the New Testament in the first 90 days of the year. What a great opportunity. And it's early on still enough in the year where you can catch up if you haven't started. You can start and you can be a part of this journey and read the New Testament in the, 90, the first 90 days of the year. And I guarantee you, you'll see God in a unique, in a fresh way. You'll get to be familiar with who he is and that will help you discern his voice. If you haven't accepted that challenge, then I want to challenge you to accept the challenge. I want to challenge you to join us in reading the New Testament in those first 90 days of the year so you can know God better. See, I believe that God wants to use us to do incredible things. And God is working in the life of people around us. He was working in the life of that Ethiopian eunuch. And it's obvious to us. And this man was somebody very influential. He was somebody that, that, that he was a treasurer for a queen, the queen of the Ethiopians. And, and he kind of wanted to have a relationship with God. He, he was pursuing God. You can see that he came uh, from Jerusalem because he was worshiping. He was reading from scripture. He was searching God, but he needed somebody to point him in the right direction so that he would know how to have a re relationship with, Jesus, with God. That's why he called Philip. And I believe that in the same way, God is still working in your friends at school. He is still working in your coworkers. He is still working in your neighbors. He is working in your family members. And I believe he has placed you around their lives so that he can use you to point them to the good news of Jesus Christ. God still prompts his followers to go to those around us and tell them about him. But we have to be able to discern the voice of the Spirit. 
Now, that leads me to the second thing that I believe we have to do, that Philip did, and that is discover how God is working in the life of those around us. Discover how God is working in those around us. Look at how Philip took time to discover how God was working in the life of this Ethiopian man. Verses 30 through 34 say this. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? You see that when the Spirit of God prompted Philip to join the chariot, he began to discover how God was working in the life of this man. He began to discover that he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And I want you to notice something important. I want you to notice that Philip didn't go and immediately open his mouth. Philip didn't go and had a formula that he had to follow or a method that he wanted to just push on this man. He didn't have all the answers for him because he didn't even know what his questions were. He took time to discover how God was working in the life of this man. He heard that he was reading Isaiah and he simply asked a question. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? And that just opened the door for him to be invited into the life of this man. This man said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? Would you join me? Would you please come and help me understand these things? So you can see again that Philip Instead of having or being, going directly with all the answers, he had to figure out first what the questions were. He took time to discover how God was working in the life of this man. See, this man was searching for God. And he was desperate for God. He, he again, went to Jerusalem to, to worship. He was reading from the, from the scriptures, from Isaiah. He wanted to know God, but he needed somebody to point him in the right direction. And I believe there are people around you who are desperately looking for God. Whether they know it or not, people are desperately looking for answers and solutions only God can provide. Surely, I I know that uh, most people that we encounter are not reading Isaiah or coming back in a chariot from Jerusalem. I, I know that very well. But people are looking for something. They have a void in their hearts. They have a void in their lives and they're desperately looking for something. And what they're looking for can only be found in Jesus Christ, can only be found in our Savior. That's why we have to be there to give them the answer. See, more than ever, people are, are struggling with anxiety and depression. More than ever, people are struggling with loneliness. They may have hundreds and even thousands of followers on social media, and yes, they still feel lonely. They still feel that void in their hearts. There's been several YouTubers in the last few months that have thousands of followers, and they still take their lives because they feel lonely, and they feel disconnected to people. They feel like they're missing something. People are desperately looking for, a, for something, and that something can only be found in Jesus Christ. The problem is that they're looking for it in the wrong places. 
That's why we have to be kind to them and we have to take time to discover how God is working in their lives. See, when you you look at Jesus' ministry, you see that many times Jesus took time to discover what was going on in people's lives before he pointed them to the biggest need that they had, the spiritual need. Many times he met a physical need. Many times he, uh, he healed somebody or he set them free from a demon before he pointed them to Jesus Christ, to the, to the forgiveness of sins that they needed. And in the same way, when we take time to genuinely love people and care for them and discover what's going on in their lives, that will open doors for us to share the good news of Jesus with them. See, I I know that there are many of you who want to share your faith with others and you want to be efficient and effective in in reaching people with the gospel, but you're afraid that if, if, if you mess up something in the method or in the formula or you say the wrong words, then, then you might mess it up and you think that you have to follow a particular method or script and you're terrified to do it, so you, you choose to stay back. I mean, I wanna set you free from that fear. Because here's what I need you to understand today. God is not looking for professionals who can follow a script or a particular method well. He's looking for people willing to uh, be used by him to let him do the work through them. People who are willing to simply say, God, I want to know you and I want to know who you are, what you're about, and I want to discover how you're working in the lives of those around me and I want to be obedient when you prompt me to do something. Man, I guarantee you, that when you care about your neighbors and your coworkers and when you care about your friends at school and you care about your family members and, and you simply take time to, to discover what's important to them and, and what they're concerned about and what they're scared of, the opportunities will come. In fact, when they're hurting, when they're afraid, when they're going through a situation, you will be one of the first people they go to and that will give you the opportunity to determine how to point them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the third thing that Philip did, and I believe we can do, determine connection points and point people to the gospel. Because we can do a lot of good, and if we don't point them to Jesus Christ, then they are not going to have what they need. Philip took time not just to discover how God was working in the life of this man, but also to determine how to point him to Jesus Christ. Look, Look at what it says in verses 35 through 37. It says this. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? See, you can see that Philip took the opportunity that he had at the right moment. This man was reading from the prophet Isaiah. He was reading Isaiah 53 to be more specific. And to be more specific, he he was reading Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. Now, uh, this passage in Isaiah was written 600 years before Jesus was even born. And yet, even though it was written 600 years before Jesus was born, it pointed clearly to Jesus. It was a prophetic passage that talked about the Messiah that was to come, and specifically talked about how he was going to suffer, and he was going to be killed, and through his wound, and through his suffering, we who place our faith in him could be forgiven and have a relationship with God. It was a very clear passage that pointed people to Jesus Christ. And so when this man asked the question, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? 
That was like a softball that was tossed to Philip and he hit it out of the park immediately as hard as he could. He says that from that passage, from that scripture, he pointed him, he says, to the good news of Jesus. That word, uh, good news, is, is really one word in the Greek, is the word evangelizo. And it's where we get the word evangelism from. It's where we get the word evangelic from. And it does mean good news, an announcement of good news, news that bring joy to people. And he says the good news, evangelizo, of Jesus Christ, a good news particular of somebody, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, to understand the good news, we have to know the bad news. And the bad news is that uh, we're all broken, that, that we're all sinful. We're born with a sinful nature, and that sin makes us disobey God. At some point in our lives, all of us have disobeyed God, and because of our disobedience, because of our sin, we, uh, we cannot be in a relationship with God. We're separated from our Creator, and that's why we long for joy, we long for purpose, we long for peace, and we cannot find it in anything else but in Him. The bad news is that in our own ability, we cannot find that peace and that joy that we human beings long for. But it says that he shared with him the good news, the good news of Jesus. And the good news is that Jesus came to this earth to live the perfect life that none of us could live. And then he died the horrible death that we deserve to die because of our sin. And the Bible teaches that when we place our faith in him, an exchange happened. And he, he takes on the punishment that we deserve for our disobedience, for our rebellion against God. And he grants us, he gives us the, the reward that he deserves for living a perfect life. And that is access, full access to the creator, to almighty God. The Bible teaches that he didn't stay dead, but he resurrected from the dead, demonstrating that he has power over sin, he has power over death, and therefore the access that he gives us to God is start here, but will last for eternity. That is the good news of Jesus Christ that this man shared with this Ethiopian eunuch. Amen, that is the good news that people are desperately looking for. And so, our job, while we believe in methods and we believe in strategies and we have some that we want to give you and to equip you, we want you to know that our job is simply to know God and to be prepared to share this hope with others when the opportunities come. As we do life and conversations come, some of them we look for them intentional, some of them will come our way, but we're always prepared to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Look at what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter. 3, verse 15, it says this. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. It says always be prepared. Prepared to do what? To share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. See, that is our purpose, to live in such a way that Others can experience Jesus through our words and through our actions. And when we understand our purpose and we decide to live for it, God himself will allow us to point people to the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. Just like God used this Philip in the life of this eunuch. 
Now, I know some of you are probably a little skeptical and you're going, Ender, you know, uh, it was easier for Philip because, I mean, this man was reading from Isaiah 53 and he asked the question, who is he talking about? The people that I encounter, they're not asking those kind of questions. They're not reading Isaiah 53. I get it. I understand that. But I want you to know that the people that we encounter, like I said earlier, they're hurting and they're suffering. And even their suffering, even whatever struggle they might be going to can be used by us to point them to the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just about our eternity. Praise God that it is about our eternity. But the gospel of Jesus Christ affects every area of our lives. It transforms us from the inside out. And it can transform the people around you. So when you encounter people who are struggling with anxiety and depression because of their own failures and because of their own mistakes, you can point them to the fact that, listen, yeah, we're all broken. We're all messed up, and unfortunately, we make mistakes, but praise God that he sent his son Jesus to be perfect in our place. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, then the Father doesn't see our imperfections anymore, but rather he sees Jesus in us, and he welcomes us, and he accepts us, and he loves us, and he makes us a part of his family. When you encounter somebody who's struggling to love people around them in their relationships because of their mistakes and because of their failures, you can point them to the fact that, yeah, they have mistakes and they have failures, but so do we. And even though we're broken, God loved us. And the Bible teaches that when we have Christ in our hearts, then we have the power of God to love others the same way that God loves us and therefore have relationships with other people that are godly and that are God-honoring. And you can point them to the fact that it starts with them needing Jesus. When you encounter somebody who's struggling with uh, pleasing their sexual desires and the desires of their flesh, even though they're causing them to suffer and it's harming them, you can point them to the fact that we don't have to uh, live for our desires, that Jesus Christ defeated all temptation. He lived a perfect life, and that's why he's being honored by God himself right now. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, then we have the power of Christ in us to defeat our own temptations and not fall from them. But you, you have to start with having Jesus in your heart. When you encounter somebody who is struggling with, lo- with loving somebody from a different race, race or a different ethnicity, you can point them to the fact that all human beings are created in the image of God. But unfortunately, all human beings, we all fail. We all sin before God. And yet God in his mercy sent his precious son Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And to the fact that whoever places their faith in him, regardless of what color their skin is, regardless of what background they have, regardless of what language they speak, regardless of how much money they have or don't have, we're all equal children of God in Jesus Christ. So it starts right there in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every struggle that we have as human beings can be used to point people to our need for a savior, for our hope in Jesus Christ. So while people in your life might not be reading Isaiah, you can use whatever it is that God is doing in their lives to point them to the gospel. You can discover how God is working in their lives and you can determine the connection points. And that leads me to the fourth thing that Philip did and that we have to do. We also have to decide to always take the next step that the the Spirit of God leads us to take. 
See, Philip took the next steps with this man. He took him all the way to baptism. Look at what he says in verses 38 through 40. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. You see that when this eunuch heard the gospel and he heard that he needed Jesus and the way to profess publicly that we are trusting Jesus is through baptism, he said, hey, there is water right there. And you can tell God was working there because they're in the middle of the desert and yet they found water. And both of them went to the water and Philip baptized this man and he says that this man went rejoicing. He went rejoicing because he had found what he was looking for. I want you to know, he didn't find it in Jerusalem in the temple. He didn't find it in his own ability. He found it in Jesus Christ. And God used Philip to bring the joy that only King God can bring to people to the life of this man. He went on his way rejoicing. Now, I want you to see what happened with Philip. It says that the, the Spirit of God moved Philip to another city, to a town named Azotus. And it says that wherever Philip went, it says this, he preached the gospel of Jesus. That word preach is the word announce. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that he preached a sermon like I'm preaching today. It could have been that, but also could have been in conversations one-on-one. It could have been one-on-two. It could have been one-on-many. It just means that when he had the opportunity, he announced the good news of Jesus Christ to people. That word gospel is the word evangelizo. Again, is the word good news. So Philip took every opportunity that he had to share with people about Jesus. And he was used by God in a mighty, mighty way. To the point that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this man who simply one day say, hey, I'll help serve the tables. I'll do whatever it takes so that people get to know Jesus. An ordinary man like you and I. And I believe God still wants to do the same in and through us. I believe we will see God do incredible things in and through us when we continuously take the steps that the Spirit leads us to take. When we discern the voice of God in our hearts, when we uh, discover how God is working in the life of people around us, when we determine how to connect them to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we decide to take the next step with people around us. I believe God wants to do incredible things in and through this church, and he wants to do incredible things in and through you. And I believe this year he can use you to reach people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school. I believe it because I've seen it happen in my life. I've seen it happen through my life, and I've seen it happen through people in this great church. A few weeks ago, I got an email from somebody in our church. This is a man and his wife who attend our Spanish service. And, and, and this man, when you have a conversation with him, you know that he loves Jesus. And like Philip, he simply wants to be used by God, however way God wants to use him. And so because of that, they, they take time to spend time with God and discern the voice of God in their lives. And they also try to discover how God is working in those around them. And it turns out this family had a new family move into their neighborhood. And they began to pray for these neighbors. 
Now, they speak mainly Spanish, and so they feel limited with their English, uh, and the neighbor spoke only English, so that they couldn't communicate well, but, but he continued to pray for that family. And then, uh, unfortunately, this new uh, family, these neighbors of uh, the guy from Sugar Creek, they had an incident in their house. Their house caught on fire. And they came out of the house looking for help and trying to figure things out. And they were crying. They were scared. And one of the first people who was there to help were the people from Sugar Creek. And this couple began to love this other couple and their children. And they said to them, listen, we don't have a whole lot of money, but we can help him however way we can help. And they discovered that they needed some help in cleaning some of the mess that the fire had caused. And so they called some of their friends from Sugar Creek and they say, hey, listen, we need to help this family out. Come over here, come to my house. And this, their friends came to this uh, man's house and they began to clean this mess and they began to help this family. And then they also contacted us, the staff, and they said, listen, we, we don't speak a whole lot of English, but this family needs help. Would you please help us out? And a family from our Missouri City campus was to, uh, able to step in and they helped as well. And even though this family didn't speak English well and the other family didn't speak Spanish at all, they were able to communicate in the process to the point that this family shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with this couple. And by God's grace, this man, the husband that had a fire in his house, surrendered his life to Jesus and has been attending Sugar Creek for the last few weeks. I met them. Last week, I'm talking about real people. I met them last month. I mean... And I had a conversation with them. And they said to me, listen, these people from this church, they're incredible. They're loving, they're, they're kind. We want to make this our church from now on. And like I said, they've been coming to church since then. I mean, I want you to dream with me for a moment. And I want you to imagine what would happen if we decide to live this way, with this kind of intentionality. When we go to work, when we go to our school, play, uh, school when we go to uh, our neighborhoods, when we go to our teams, when we treat our family, we live this, with this kind of intentionality. I believe God can use us to do incredible things for his glory. He wants to, and he can, but we have to be willing to discern, to discover, to determine, to decide, to take the next steps. You know, I, I still remember that sickening feeling I had in my stomach when my supervisor told me, you nodded and you smiled. I assumed that meant that you were going to do it. I had to confess to him at that point that when I didn't understand something, that's what I did. I nodded and I smiled. And I didn't do my job in that particular day. And I was embarrassed. And I think about the fact that one day, I'm gonna stand before the almighty God, the creator of the universe, who gave me a life and who gave me a purpose. And at that point, there will only be two things that matter. Only two. And the first one will be this. Did you trust Jesus Christ to be your savior? Because that is the only way that you will be able to have eternity with God. I mean, if you haven't, today you heard that Jesus died on a cross to pay for your sins, that if you surrender your life to him, you can be forgiven of your sins and you can have life with God here and for eternity. And my prayer is that if you haven't today, you surrender your life to him. If you're tuning in online, you can talk to one of the chat hosts and they will point you in the right direction. If you are at any of our campuses, we have what we call our next step centers. Go out at the end of the service and talk to somebody who will gladly 
point you to Jesus. But then there will be a second thing that will matter. And that is, what do we do with the life that God gave us? It won't be how much education we got. It, don't me, it won't be how much money we made. It won't be how many followers we had in social media. It will only be what do we do with the life that God gave us and the commission that he entrusted to us. I mean, my prayer is that the, sugar, the people of Sugar Creek can stand before God and say, we did the best we could. We were obedient. We took time to discern, to discover, to determine, and to decide and point people to Jesus Christ. So if you're a believer, I want to challenge you to make this year the year that you're used by God in a mighty way. It starts with you discerning the voice of God. Read the New Testament this first 90 days of the year. But also, we want to give you a training opportunity. On January 25th, we're going to have a training. This used to be called Gospel Conversations. We have made some changes to it, freshened it up some. And even if you have done it before, we'd love for you to join us so you can have a tool on how to share your faith with other people. You can sign up by going to the QR code in the back of your sermon notes. Man, I hope that God uses us this year to do incredible things for his glory. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. We're so thankful that you sent your precious son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place so that we could have eternity with you, so that we could have hope, so that we could have a future. But also, we could have a purpose, a reason to live for, and that reason is to love and lead all people to life change in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you use this church, the individuals in this church, to make a difference in our cities. In Sugarland, in Richmond, in Rosenberg, in Missouri City, in Houston, in Texas, in our country, God, in the rest of the world for your glory. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.